It's the Retrospectacle Podcast, Episode 8 on the Drink 5 Network. Tonight we're going to be talking about online piracy. I don't have any of yet, but I'll get, enjoy this one. I'll get to it shortly. It's just the more uh, motivation for you to get through the fat tire that you're drinking. And I, that's totally a spoiler alert, because I was just about to ask you, what are you drinking? That's right, I'm drinking a fat tire, a classy beer that's been around for a long time. And uh, I believe the fat tire was actually around uh, during the same amount of time when I was sort of just getting into craft beers, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah, me too. I remember uh, going to school down in southern, southern Illinois, and uh, fat tire was sort of like the, uh, you know, it was the, the biggest craft beer that you could get your hands on. Because for a long time, they wouldn't sell it east of the Mississippi River. The biggest in size? Was it like 50 ounces or something? It was the biggest night. <laughs> it's a Settlers of Catan joke. Oh, boy. <laughs> Here we go. Anyways, this is the Drink 5 podcast. Uh, retrospectacle tonight is, uh, you know, we're going to focus on online piracy. I'm here joined uh, by Dave. I am Jason. Uh, Dave is drinking a fat tire, as we have already established. I have in my hands the Decadent Imperial IPA from Ska Brewing Company in Durango, Colorado. So it's kind of a Colorado night for us, I suppose. Yep. Two Colorado breweries. Um, Colorado does, uh, you know, craft beer well, among other things. They're pretty good at mountains. I would say skiing. Excellent. They're they're really good at skiing as well. Congratulations, Colorado, for the mountains. You did a good job with those. Yes. Excellent. It's not like they were there when you moved in or anything. Well, it's like Slarty Bartfest in the fjords. Yes. Uh, It is also uh, National Beer Day on April 7th, which commemorates the day that beer was allowed to be legally manufactured and sold uh, after prohibition. And uh, I have a couple interesting facts. I want to know what you think about them. Cool. First is that, uh, that beer is the most popular alcoholic beverage in the United States. So that's above uh, you know, wine or any particular distilled spirits. And we consume about 205 million barrels per year or 20 gallons per person per year, which I think you and I are probably a little above the curve on. But it would be interesting to see, although probably very impractical or maybe impossible, how, how much we actually did consume in a year, say last year, for example. So- 20 gallons per person per year uh-huh. is what they're saying. So uh, that is roughly 213 beers. 213. Okay. Yes. I, you know, I mean, that's 36 six packs. That's almost one a week. I'm sorry. That's more, you know, less than one a week. So uh, if you drink a six pack every week, then you're drinking more than the average American. So I'm probably a little above the average. Yeah, I would say I'm there too. <laughs> Um, I, think, okay. I think just doing this show brings us at least to the average. That's true. That's true. This show brings us up to the average, and then our uh, our own particular habits take us over the edge. And I don't know. I think it's pe- our own greatness. People probably exist on some kind of a beer curve, right? So it's like when you're younger, you're usually, probably, hopefully, not drinking any beer. 
Uh, if you're starting at zero, yeah. yeah. If we're starting this curve at 21, then it's going to start out pretty high. And then <laughs> I, I would imagine probably the most beer consumption is probably somewhere between like uh, uh, 20, 24 and, and uh, 54. And then after that, you probably go down a little bit. Yeah, really the only people who really stick with it at that point are probably alcoholics. Yes. Uh, <laughs> They're dedicated to their craft. I'm I'm going to try to uh, pronounce this, and I can't, so uh, just a forewarning. German beers are often labeled Gibrat nach dem Bayerschein Rheinskabat von 1516, which uh, means, do you know? Uh, this beer was crafted according to the German beer laws of 1516. Right, the Bavarian Purity Law. Boom. Which originally limited I the ingredients that can be used uh, in Germany to make beer to barley, malt, hops, yeast, and water. And allowed the government to tax it. So it actually became an official part of the German tax code in 1919. But as soon as Germany became part of the European Union, most of that went away. Which brings together two of your loves, right? Which is uh, politics and beer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I would throw that in there. Um, I guess... Uh, uh, among other of the millions of facts there could be about beer and taxes, which which have to do with all of this, the one of the more interesting ones to me is uh, uh, senosilicophobia. Do you know what that is? Hmm, I have not heard about that one. It is the fear of an empty beer glass. Ah, <laughs> I don't say that I suffer from that in a general sense, but every once in a while I have an attack. I understand. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we have we have that uh, wonderful beer, and I am going to try it hopefully soon. Um, and some more delicious beers. We do have some more, which I am not exactly sure what they're called. We I, will not spoil them because we can't. You're right. <laughs> and when they come out, we'll we'll tell you guys about the uh, about the lovely beer that we're drinking, of course. So, as you mentioned earlier tonight, uh, we're talking about online piracy, which uh, is a big umbrella, which can encompass uh, file sharing as far as software, uh, be it games or applications, as well as any kind of music. And then, in addition to that, uh, TV shows and movies. So basically, any kind of media that um, that is or can become a digital file that at one point did or does cost money uh, that you didn't purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of a long. That you summation. acquire without purchase, without paying for. That's a long sentence, but I think we've covered uh, all the beans there. Okay, yeah. I mean, you know, it's obviously made possible because, you know, unlike the real world, you can make exact copies of these things uh, with little to no effort. Right. So, well, uh, real world, I mean, there, there is still physical uh, software, right? Like, at least medium that they are, that they are Correct. on. Correct. But, I mean, like, you know, you could, in theory, copy a book, but that would take you a long time and it would take a bunch of resources. Whereas if you're copying a file... Well, even it a, takes a very short time without. To your experience. example, a, a book that was digital, which would take less than a fraction of a second. Right, uh, a digital book takes no time on a modern computer to copy. Um, so I guess the difference. Well, we could talk about that later, but obviously you can see the difference in just those two things that we're talking about, uh, as far as tangible items in the real world and how they exist and what laws apply to them, and things that are intangible, um, except in uh, the virtual world, I guess. Um, so both of us, born in the early 80s, uh, right when personal computers were just coming about, and I know I had some uh, where I grew up. I had a Commodore 64, I had an Atari ST, I had an old school Mac, a Performa 450, uh, then got into some other Apple computers and PCs. Hey, and you were the Apple guy. 
Well, I still had like a Win NT uh, like desktop and some other random stuff. I, all of that really uh, is pretty much on the parents and the situation that you're in. Right. At, at you know, ten years old, you're not the one acquiring these computers. Yeah, you're not spending you know two thousand dollars on a on a desktop PC. Yeah. <laughs> Unless I guess you're you're some kind of uh, of trust fund baby or something. No offense. If you are and you're out there listening, it just means that you had more resources at your I'm disposal. I'm a trust fund baby, and I totally take exception to that. Okay. <laughs> well, I would like some of that trust fund, please. Just just peel it on over here. Yeah, let me get right on that. I have some uh, I have some credit cards to pay off with your trust fund, <laughs> if you don't mind. Um, trust fund is only for hookers and cocaine. Dude. There you go. So what what was your experience uh, just growing up uh, as far as like uh, PCs that you had at your house? And uh, if we're just talking about like the late 80s to, let's say, early to mid 90s, uh, were you on the Internet? You know, uh, what was what was the scope of that for you? Uh, definitely was on the Internet, uh, but not right away. My dad would bring home uh, from work a 386 laptop, which weighed about 20 pounds. Uh, and the thing was bulky as hell. And um, I used to play stuff like Duke Nukem and like a bowling game and uh, Oregon Trail on that. Uh, computer sure um but then he got a 486 and uh that one could go online it had a 19.2 modem which Mm -hmm. was insane uh because everyone else had a 14.4 modem at the time you know i never i never knew what baud actually meant i guess it was a measurement of of speed uh yes it's like the measurement of how many bits it can send i think is it an acronym i have no idea i just i was just thinking about that because i'm like I, I did the same thing, sort of, um, from whatever modem that was uh, to a larger one, a faster one, to yeah. 28.8 to 56K, you know. Well, here you go. In telecommunication and electronics, BOD uh, is the unit symbol for rate or modulation rate in symbols per second or pulses per second, so bits, essentially. Uh, it is the number of distinct symbol changes made to the transmission medium per second in a digitally modulated signal or line code. I'm glad I could clear that up. Oh, thanks. For us, yes. We should have a show just about that sentence. I'll just read, like, the most confusing Wikipedia (laughs) passages I can find. Thank you very much, sir. So it basically is the measurement of the speed. You know, it's just what the unit's called, just like a watt or, I don't know, a gigabyte. So, um... So then, and we were growing up in the 90s and 2000s, which we can go over uh, later in greater detail if we want to. But the point is, uh, during that time, like Napster came out in the late 90s, I think it was 98 or 99. Yeah. Um, And although there was piracy before then, that's really when it started to take off among people that were just, uh, you know, uh, home users that didn't have the technological savvy that perhaps uh, you and I or others did um, earlier. Um, right. It was it was the Model T of piracy programs. Right. Right. It was the first one made available to the masses. But but like I said before, then it it was still available, and and software in general has always been a common target for piracy. I mean, for many reasons, right? Because of how expensive. It was, for example, if you wanted to buy a game, it could be 50 or $60, just like they are now for consoles, um, and still are for some computer games, but yeah. a lot of them have gone down drastically in prices because of, of this whole thing. Right, because they understand that if they can sell something uh, at a lower price and really cut down on piracy, and it would really help expand their sales. 
you know, that's the way to go sometimes. And then you have uh, applications, desktop applications, uh, such as um, things like Photoshop or Microsoft Word, Office, word processing, exactly. And those generally were pretty expensive as well. So you would find a lot of people uh, trying to float around those kinds of applications. Like the operating system as a whole. Yep, and the operating system in general. And, and of course, uh, there were lots of uh, copy protections and things that were trying to be in place. But it's one of those things where if, if you put copy protection into something, someone's going to break it. And uh, the way that the computer industry was going at that time, and still is really, uh, the more protection you try to put into something, the harder those, those certain groups and people will try to get around it. It's actually yeah, it's fun for true. a lot of these guys. It's their hobby. <laughs> yeah. Just like some people like to you know, crack safes. Right. You know, it's just what they do. So it was available online early in uh, BBSs as far back as the 1980s. But again, a lot of people weren't really aware of that just because they didn't have the necessary technology and skill to use it. Uh, BBSs sort of gave way to things like AOL and CompuServe and Prodigy. And after that, it was more of just uh, connecting to the World Wide Web itself, which I was going to say feels more limitless but if i say something like limitless then you know 10 or 15 years down the line uh when you're looking back at it you're like man was that limiting it was it yeah. <laughs> it does feel very small when you look at it uh you know in hindsight it's like oh that's all we had available that's so cute right and uh and so more computing power faster internet speeds more robust storage uh, storage, uh, rather, storage. made it easy to pirate software and distribute it to others. And I will talk a little bit about BitTorrent later, which is uh, a peer-to-peer -peer client, which means that while you are downloading little bits of an application, for example, uh, whether it be legal or illegal, uh, the very foundation of the software is that it's decentralized and uh, everything is going everywhere at the same time. So it's a little bit more difficult for certain sources or people to trace uh, who it is that's getting something and uh, you know where they're from. Uh, there's a lot of safeguards that you can apply to these sorts of things that keep some of these people that like to pirate stuff out of the spotlight, as it were. Mm -hmm. And uh, music has a similar story, and I'll be brief, uh, but it's interesting that they're kind of uh, parallel in, in that way. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with this, uh, probably because you do have a, a wide uh, you know, array of, of uh, historical knowledge on music, but even back in the 60s when people had vinyl, you could technically copy another record. Um, now, they weren't necessarily the best ways of doing it, and there was a lot of quality loss involved unless you owned some kind of a you know, big apparatus that could do it with more precision. Right. But, uh, I mean, my, my dad would tell me things like that. Like, they would copy a record and then play the copy so as not to damage the original. Oh, interesting. I know that, you know, you can degrade a vinyl uh, very soon after using it. Yeah. So a lot of people would, if they had something real special or a collector's edition or a limited edition or something they didn't want to wear out... Uh, and I don't know how many plays it would take for a record to wear out, but certainly a lot more than something like a CD, which uh, is you know almost infinite within a small amount of time. Uh, the only thing that really kills CDs would be the wear and tear of in and out. Uh, yeah, but also like UV light will damage them and stuff like that. Like you know if you've ever left a CD out on your dashboard for a long time or something like that, it'll get destroyed. 
sure susceptible to other other stuff i suppose right um so after the cassette tape came out is when people really started copying things you're dubbing music on a cassette tape that is on the radio or you're taking it from another tape and those really popular uh you know high speed dubbing like two cassette tape uh boom boxes and i used to do that all the time like yeah i would pretend i had my own radio show i would record like radio uh songs and then i would have like commercials and then go back to would the you songs. make up a commercial yeah Nice, which is cool because then I, you know, could make up the money to to pay the artist with. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's all pretend. But um, but the point is, I think it was a very natural thing. If you come out with a blank tape, then obviously you're going to put things on it. And if there's really good material, source material out there, like uh, you know, bands that you like, you're going to put them on the tape. When right. you when you do that, it's it's technically uh, not something that you're supposed to do. Um, you know, uh, there was a lot of gray area over this. So, for instance, um, radio station in town likes to play a concert on Sunday nights. My dad, back in the 80s, would record those concerts. And then mm-hmm. he'd be able to listen to them in the car and stuff. He wouldn't sell them to other people. He wouldn't, like, give them out, really. Um, and, you know, personally, I don't see anything wrong with that. Well, I, it's I, just like I don't taping necessarily something either. from the television. Right, although technically you're still not allowed to tape certain programs and things that have uh, certain warnings on them, whether or not you're actually selling them. Yeah, the NFL tells you you're not allowed to tape it. <laughs> but that's like uh, some website that tells you that you know you have to be over 18 to be here. Well, you don't really physically <laughs> have to be over 18. It's not like they're going to emit an electric shock and knock you off your chair while you're visiting their website. That's not going to happen. Uh, in 92, Congress passed this uh, Audio Home Recording Act, which said that digital devices have to have copy protection baked into them. Uh, and it also put a tax on all blank media to offset those harms from digital piracy. So that's like the first move that, uh, that the United States government really made to uh, do anything about. Really? So every time I buy blanks, I'm already paying the artist anyways? There is some amount <laughs> of money that's, that's put in there. And you'll notice as we talk about this, and I'm not going to get into such great detail because eventually it just gets boring, you know. Um, and it's not like we have three days here, just a, an hour or two. But... But yes, so the answer is they did do that originally at the very beginning because they knew that there would probably be some kind of damages or more, more than likely that Congress knew that these artists and um, more importantly, the people that manage the artists would be whining to them about this. So, <laughs> so they wanted to do something to combat that right away. And so that is what they did. Um, then uh, after cassettes... And I should mention that with cassette tapes, if you record something, uh, the quality is not as good as the original recording. And then if you record something from that recording, it again degrades. Right, right. You get a definite, a noticeable degradation for each generation. So after the cassette tapes, then we had CDs. And yes. with CDs, then you can you can actually copy them without any degradation in quality. Well, in theory, you can. The, a lot of uh, the more particular high-end hobbyists uh, would argue that you know it took a lot to to get a perfect copy of a disc. Well, most people don't have speakers that are good enough to tell the difference between something that's very true encoded for at a high almost quality. everyone. An MP3 is really good, and then you know you can just keep burning the same source material over and over again. You true. don't even have to copy, and you can because that is an easier way for it to spread. And you know, 
Well, because in encoding this into something that's digital, um, when it was already encoded, I suppose could do some damage. A lot of people do say that CDs themselves, and this is off topic, but are also not as good as the original mediums that we used to use because they kind of smush things. Um, you know, depending on how they're mixing, mastering, and recording them and putting them on the device, uh, there is a lot of uh, audiophiles, like you mentioned, yeah. that just don't think that that medium is the best for listening to audio because of what it does to it in effect by putting it on the medium. Um, yeah, I mean, that's definitely a, a debate that we could have for an entire show. But but again, regardless of that, I mean, most people don't care and wouldn't know the difference. And their are uh, audio devices that play the music. Uh, are not going to be able to allow them to discern any difference between it. Right. I've seen some arguments that even that isn't necessarily true. I think a lot of it has to do with, like you were saying, uh, the initial mixing and all that stuff and what what's actually done in the beginning. Well, and like I, I play guitar, for example, and uh, there's a huge debate that will rage forever, as far as I'm concerned, in the music community about like if you're playing through an amplifier, um, are you digital or are you analog? Are you using like an old school uh, amplifier, which is just speakers and tubes, uh, which is all analog? Or are you actually using some kind of a preprocessor that converts the signal to digital, right. uh, which would then sound different? And it does sound different because mm -hmm. then you start modeling things rather than actually being the sound, the original sound. Well, itself. one of the reasons why, uh, like we were just saying, that CDs change like that is because most CD audio is analog data mm -hmm. it's not stored in just ones and zeros it's stored in an analog format that just music players pick up on absolutely uh so after that we had cd burning technology so you could copy those uh those cds quickly and with the same quality so then you come into people that are really stealing things um or or however you want to uh present that um Say you go to a library, uh, and that's something that I, I did more than a few times. If I wanted a piece of music and I couldn't find it somewhere, you go to the library, rent it for free, and then just copy it. And then yeah. you have that piece of music. You didn't purchase it with money. You have it. Did that with uh, tapes, and then once I got a CD burner, I would do it with the CDs. Right. Uh, and the funny thing is... Uh, it did almost seem like a step down since people were distributing music that sounded more similar to cassette tapes because at this point, we don't have like super powerful computers that have hundreds of gigabytes of space. We have uh, a finite amount of space. In, Especially back then. Yeah, and so when you're burning a CD or something turning it into MP3s, uh, you have to be conscious of how much you could fit on your computer. And, and granted, there are many people that would just take their CD collections and translate them into digital copies on their computer. But I that would... took a vast amount of space back then. But yeah, I mean, you could easily fill up a hard drive with high-quality MP3s with only, let's say, 20, 30 albums. And uh, I mean, I remember when I was doing this, when I had like a, like a 250-megabyte hard drive. Yeah, I mean, I think the first tower computer I had had a 2.5 gigabyte hard drive. And you and think about it now, I mean, cell that, phones have SD micro SD cards that are like 128 gigabytes. Yeah, that's not even four CDs, like, of uncompressed data. Right. So you know that, you know, you're going to, space is at a premium in those situations. Nowadays, you know, CDs are still the same size, but now everyone has a one terabyte hard drive in their computer and it's no big deal to save a thousand albums well that's why i'm saying the perspective thing is interesting because for us for example i mean we went from uh from ripping a cd that could take an hour on your computer and having these uh, 128 kbps uh 
uh, MP3 files that sound yeah. like it's uh, going through a washing machine. They're definitely playing drums underwater. <laughs> uh, to people that can, can take files from somewhere else across the world in a microsecond. And, uh, and absolutely, those files can be as high quality as they come. Right. And that's one of the wonderful things about them today. You know, you don't have to use MP3s anymore. You can use FLAX. Uh, you don't have to worry about all the compression and stuff like that because uh, there is so much uh, storage technology nowadays that has increased exponentially. There, the need for more space on music has always stayed the same. So we're getting off topic again, but but the, it does or come the need of the same space. It does come to the same point, which is that uh, again, just like we were talking about software, you have compression algorithms that improve, you have the speed and power of computers and the internet that improves, and so now high quality audio and video are immediately available at like the touch of a button, and if you know where to go, which if you don't, you know, going to Google and typing in whatever you want can just present you with that information. Yes. You can very easily, in just a couple of minutes, uh, provided you have a halfway decent internet connection. Click safely, by the way. <laughs> Well, for sure. Don't come to us when you get viruses on your computer. Well, no, this show is in, in no means promoting anything to do with piracy. Just uh, you know, casting a light on it and and perhaps uh, questioning the uh, the ethical and moral ramifications of that from both sides. So uh, we're saying that everything now, uh, as compared to when we were children and growing up, even uh, is so immediately available in this sort of instant gratification kind of mode. Right. That it brings up a lot of questions, um, you know, like, uh, and, and I'll get into more of those later, but, but one for now, for example, is if something is available just by the click of a mouse button, then how can that be something that is illegal? Um, when there are no, I suppose it depends on what that thing is. Well, but. well, I mean, I know how, like, but, but to, for someone's perspective, that is a, a computer user that is not learned or has a varied history of all these things. Uh -huh. Someone coming up now that's 12 years old and they're just like searching for things on the internet that they want. They can click and get them immediately. There's no yellow caution tape. There's no, uh, you're going off the wrong road. There's Very no true. there's no blue flashing lights like you're going down the south side of Chicago. You don't have to sneak past anybody to do it. You don't. <laughs> uh you know, that's very, you bring up a very good point. It doesn't feel like it. And everyone is sort of conditioned to expect that everything on the internet is free. Right. You know, when a, a website tries or, to introduce or a not, paywall, it'll tell you. Right. Yeah. If a website introduces a paywall, people go haywire on it. They <laughs> boycott it and they call them fascists and, you know, dirty capitalists and all this stuff. And these people are just trying to make a living. Um, and, you know, I'm not trying to advocate for paywalls necessarily, but it's just an example of the fact that everyone expects everything to be free on the Internet. And maybe that's the wrong expectation because um, Slashdot used to have this great uh, phrase. They would call things free as in beer. Okay, and that meant that everyone was free to have it. It didn't mean that it didn't cost anything to create, and it didn't mean that uh, you were entitled to it, but it was just free and available to everyone. Anybody can go and get a beer. Sure. Um, you know, things uh, that are free as in... Freely available. A sample, you know, those things, you can't get mad when at some point someone asks for money for them. You know, obviously if someone says, here, I'm giving this to you for free and then asks for money for it, that's one thing. But if they're giving out a free trial to a program and it expires after 30 days and they expect you to buy it, you know, you can't get mad at the program for, you know, trying to support themselves. 
You're absolutely right. Good points. Let's uh, let's catch up on what the United States government is doing. 1997, Congress passed this uh, act called the No Electronic Theft Act, which raised the damages for copyright infringement. Um, then the recording industry tried to sue the first MP3 players gone from the stores and gone from the market in that same year, 1997. But courts said that shifting space is fair use. Okay. Which, so if I own a copy of a CD... Right. I remember this this uh, trial. Absolutely. Actually. I mean, look, at this point, it was probably at the peak of when we were sort of involved in this sort of thing. Oh, uh, sure. You know, paying the most attention to it. We were in high school at the time. Uh, it was a big deal. But, you know, when you own something, you are allowed to do whatever you want with it. Yeah, so you, you have uh, Green Day's album, Dookie. You can put it on an MP3 player. You can put it on your computer. You can do whatever you want with it. That is correct. Right. Um, That's the basis of that law. Right. Um, and then they uh, passed, in 1998, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, DMCA, which allowed Hollywood to basically control how entertainment devices were designed. And in terms of uh, digital rights management. Yes, so the DRM. Uh, and so basically, uh, the manufacturers couldn't do anything to it or, or uh, modify it in any way. And so they had, to, uh, they had to make a license. They had to get a license for its use with a whole bunch of other conditions. And so this is where it starts getting complicated. So like a DVD player could fast forward through commercials in a DVD. But uh, according to the rules that are set up by... Uh, whoever it is that, that, that uh, wants to license the movie, they mm -hmm. could say you are not allowed to fast forward through this DVD. Right, like you can't skip the previews on this DVD. Yep, commercials, previews, whatever they put in there, then they can do whatever they want, um, and the manufacturers can't do anything to combat it because it's illegal. Yeah, they have to only create the you know, make the copy that's there. They can't just take it because they own the rights to it and print a copy that is only the movie in. You can do whatever you want with it. Mm -hmm. So so that's still a big thing, and it still is a thing that exists today. And it sort of makes sense uh, to me, just because um, uh, it, it makes sense that the people that uh, that are putting out this, uh, this piece of media uh, should have some amount of say over uh, how, it, uh, how it is um, consumed. But I don't think that these lengths are appropriate. Um, I'm not sure that Congress could foresee all of the uh, things that we are doing today with media, but it is giving them uh, probably more powers than they need based on this old piece of uh, legislature from 1998. Right, and it's funny because you you say it old in 1998. You know, when you talk of legislature from the late 90s, it doesn't sound like it'd be no. that old. Well, but, you know, with the way that the internet changes, clearly it could use some updating. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, basically what happened in the early 2000s, Napster went out of business, MyMP3.com went out of business, a couple of other, uh, companies that tried to be like Napster went out of business, yeah. um, and, uh... There was LimeWire for a while. Yes. And BearShare. Um, early 2000s, uh, all the states, or most of the states, uh, actually created laws that, that made it illegal to record movies with video cameras because... Uh, that's when people started going into theaters with a camera, recording it, and then digitizing that footage, putting it available online. For example, and I'm not sure if this is 
uh, exactly when it came out. But I remember one of the first movies that I saw that was like a shaky cam in quotes uh, footage. And now they call them something else. What do they? What do they call them? I I always know them as cams. Yeah, well, or screeners, I guess. A shaky cam, just a, a colloquialism, I guess, right. because usually there's people coughing in front of the, the shaky cam is terrible camera, and the person's like, uh, you know, trying to hide it from someone coming through the aisle or something. <laughs> yeah. But I saw um, the the first uh, prequel Star Wars, the Phantom Menace. Um, that was the first movie that I, think I that saw. That was ninety nine. That was the first movie I saw with that cam footage, and. I got to tell you, I was excited to see it until um, the movie started rolling and it was a terrible, terrible mistake by George Lucas and company. Oh man, you saw a terrible movie in a terrible quality. It was about the worst situation I could have seen this movie in. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's not any better if it's like perfectly crystal clear. Well, that's good to know. It's good to know. (laughs) So, so they did all that. Um, and then that, that brings us up a little bit closer to, to today where things started happening in, in a little bit more rapid succession. And we might get to that a little bit. But I wanted to switch gears to talk about uh, some of those um, uh, applications, specifically uh, a little bit about BitTorrent. So in, uh, in the 90s and the 2000s, people that had downloaded illegal fire files were being sued by a lot of companies. If you remember the RIAA and the MPAA and a lot of other organizations were actually suing people for thousands and sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars for downloading these MP3s and uh, TV shows and movies. And it makes sense uh, because they need to uh, have some kind of a precedent, right? So let's say some someone, and this happened in many situations, is downloading just like thousands or tens of thousands of, uh, of albums, uh, which equates to hundreds of thousands of songs, for example. Um, they owe so much money to a group like the RIAA, according to these laws that they are self-imposing on everyone else, because they're assigning some amount of money to each particular song or each particular album that is being downloaded and used on that person's computer as their own. Um, and so... It is, it is impossible to argue, for example, uh, that they are not usurping uh, the, the actual uh, amount they should be paying for the album because that is exactly what they're doing. But there are a lot of reasons why uh, file sharing should not be looked upon as someone who is just overtly stealing um, all of this. Because as Jason mentioned earlier, the real world operates differently than a virtual one. And... It's not like you are going to Tower Records and taking 150,000 uh, CDs from their racks because that's not what's happening in the situation. However, um, a lot of these cases ended up uh, with the uh, RIAA actually winning, um, and a lot of them were settled out of court because um, inevitably a lot of these uh, defendants ended up being college students or even younger than that. And if they were younger than that, which happened in a lot of cases that I remember in the late 90s and early 2000s, then what ended up happening is the parents, the people responsible for the internet connection and the household and the child, ended up being the ones that were sued. I remember a case where like some kid's poor grandma got sued for like $640,000 right. over 10 downloaded songs. You know, It was just like the perfect example of how out of hand it was getting. But as I said, I mean... It, Obviously, the, these groups want to set a precedent, and they don't want the precedent to be set in the wrong way. So th- think of it from their perspective. They're, so you, you're, you're sitting in your office, and, um, and you're a, uh, you know, a 
46-year-old, mildly overweight and balding record executive uh, who got moved out of their business that they were really enjoying and now is part of this uh, association um, <laughs> looking for someone to, uh, to take out their spite onto. Yes. Well, you know, grandma is the perfect target. <laughs> She's an easy target, that's for sure. No, I kid. Uh, there is really a, a, a way to look at it from their perspective, too. Because if you don't do anything about this kind of behavior, then it becomes even more prevalent and uh, nobody has any restrictions and everyone just takes everything. Um, and so, obviously, they didn't want that to happen. So, you know, it, one of the things that really sucks about it, which you could kind of connect the dots to, is that this sort of, this, I think, helped set precedent for all of the crazy patent trolling that we have going on now yes this is linked uh after like all of this to uh copyright trolling in general it's Mm -hmm. absolutely true Mm. um and and that is like a shame it's a great big boulder you know i I, i'm in a way sort of happy like looking at this in hindsight the things that they were fighting for at the time are basically irrelevant at this point with the invention of youtube and like the ubiquity of every song everywhere nowadays well, we'll talk about that too, but that's not completely true. However, you're right in that the, the remedy of the situation is uh, getting closer to a compromise between the two parties. Those two parties being those people that want to share files freely and those who want you to pay for them. Right. I don't know. I was just thinking more along the lines of, you know, a lot of their efforts are in vain. At this time, wound up being in vain, you know, 10, 15 years later. Well, as far as getting like the uh, like the store bought Tower Records money out of someone who wants to listen to a piece of music, right? That's like correct. that was yeah that that was already a dying industry. You're not moment. you're not paying fifteen dollars for the album. Uh, although a lot of people still do pay nine ninety nine to twelve ninety nine on iTunes for albums. Uh, although now they end up getting a whole lot more content because they have to. Uh, they have to provide a lot of value-added stuff. Yeah. So you'll get you know videos and and concerts and uh, and you're given a great quality copy that you no longer have to do the work for to get it on all of the devices. And you don't have to actually store it either because you can at any point go and re-download it on any device. Yes. Yes. I, in fact, I bought something on iTunes uh, in like 2003. Right? This, is, this is the one thing you've purchased on iTunes. No, I've gotten a couple things on iTunes in my day, uh, but I bought. What, what like, was it? I'm just curious. It was a widespread panic concert. It was it was like two days of concerts. It's like a little package. Yeah, you know, like uh, two concerts. Anyways, I logged into my account like eight years later, and it just started downloading it all for me. Yeah, you get it back again. Yeah, I was like, I forgot I bought this thing, and I listened to the whole thing again. It was great. Well, that's that's terrific. That is a very cool thing. Um, so. Uh, you hear less and less about this now, as we were saying, because people are downloading in ways that are more difficult to track and because there are other ways uh, for these companies to make money from these different outlets that provide the media the media to uh, people that are on the Internet. Um, you know, BitTorrent, for example, by decentralizing the way that the files were distributed uh, can make it much more difficult for people to be traced to their actions. But uh, ISPs do still keep a really good track of what you're doing out there. So they'll often send copyright infringement notices via email or snail mail, let you know they have eyes on your activities. And you have to be careful with that sort of thing because... Yeah, we talked about how easy that is a few episodes ago. Well, sure. Uh, but regardless, I mean, if you have done something that's that's illegal according to uh, any amount of groups and someone has that on record, it stays on record forever. And if you're talking about uh, like 
someone like uh, Time, uh, Time Warner or Comcast, who I think have like merged at this point, haven't they? Which is Time Warner and Comcast. I know that there was a lot of talks about it. I don't know if that actually happened. Okay. Well, Chuck. Well, so you've got all these people like AT and T, Comcast, Time Warner, etc., and they they manage these uh, giant systems that provide internet. For example, yeah, um, they can keep track of all of the things that you do. Um, and if they keep track of them, they can use them to, at some point, if they wanted to, say, you know, you've broken our uh, TOS, Terms of Service. Uh, you are no longer allowed here. And uh-huh. uh, as these groups tend to band together more, and uh, you can tell us if Time Warner and Comcast actually have any kind uh, of agreement. They they are trying to merge. The FCC currently has a hold on that merge as they evaluate it. Okay. Um, but there's only... As of March 13th, they only had 15 days remaining in the evaluation, but it was on hold. So we'll probably hear something about this soon. Oh, that's interesting. Well, it's very timely then. Yeah. So if, for example, Time Warner and Comcast were to get together and, uh, you know, um, let's say, uh, <laughs> uh, what would you call that? What would you call that relationship as far as a, a metaphor of like human relationship? Um, I mean, it's kind of like a lawyer marrying a um like a dominatrix okay know. all right well this lawyer nature someone who likes to abuse you and someone who likes to rip you off <laughs> the the lawyer matrix that is uh, uh comcast and time warner uh banded together i mean they could just shut down your service if if these things are happening and they get any pressure or if they just feel like it at any time because you are disobeying their terms of service, which are all written out. I mean, heck, nowadays, and I know this uh, you know, just as well as anybody, Comcast has, uh, for example, a set amount of uh, bandwidth that you can use per, let's say, month or every, every whatever. Cap, yeah. And I don't even know what it is. Let's say it's 100 gigabytes. Well, I have no problem going over that. Uh, and they have said and now don't have any action that they do if you do go over that. But again, I feel like it's just sort of a, like a tiger, like crouching in wait to. They just, I feel like they leave that in there in case. That's what I mean. They want if you've done something they don't kick like you out. Right, you're just gone because you've already violated their TOS like 17 different times. Uh, most people <laughs> probably have. Not with the bandwidth, it, then it was with the uh, with you know something else because mm-hmm. these guys probably have a terms of service contract that that ranges over 25 pages. Uh, basically, anything you do in the morning. Uh, that is not according to their standards, breaches the terms of service. Also, you have to watch Discovery Channel's reality shows. That's also in the terms <laughs> of service. So most of us probably breach that all the time. Um, you must watch at least five hours of the Comcast channel every week. Oh my goodness, that's terrible. <laughs> uh, so let's talk a little bit about um, the discussion that we're here for, which is about file sharing and whether or not it is stealing. So let's have an interesting discussion as much as we can about a couple of different discussion points. Um, Let's assume that all the people that are using illegal file sharing are not just thieves and robbers and like to steal things. Uh, Why would someone who wouldn't steal a physical item in in the real world, uh, they wouldn't take a pack of gum from Walgreens or a video game from Target, uh, feel comfortable stealing something digital that amounts to the same sort of intellectual property. Uh, what is the moral or ethical difference between stealing something that is tangible versus something that's intangible? Well, a couple of like examples I can think of are basically, you know, when, when you steal a pack of gum, it's a physical item, obviously. 
but you think about like, okay, work had to go into uh, making it, and somebody had to design the packaging, yeah. and then somebody um, put it in, uh, you know, had to ship it out to you. In the had truck. To put it in the store. Someone yeah. has to sell it to you. Right. Uh, there's a lot of people on the way. Um, when you when people think about downloading, you know, a Britney Spears song or something like that, they're like, oh, well, it's just one rich artist that I'm ripping off. They they compare it to, you know, essentially just uh, you're taking a tiny drop out of a, an enormous bucket. Um, but it's exactly the same thing, in effect, because there are, uh, you know, again, hundreds or you're thousands still, of yeah, people. There's still a lot of people on that line that you're affecting. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is. And what people don't see is, like, they don't... Uh, it's because they don't have that physical connection to it, I think. Okay. Um, but here's here is a reason why somebody would steal something well, wait, and know well, that I'm, they're stealing. I'm not looking for that yet, though. So okay. what what would be a moral or ethical difference between those two things? Oh well, like I said, I think it's just a matter of your perception. So there is no moral or ethical difference. Not especially. Do you think there is one? Okay. Uh, so so it's interesting. Uh, one of the things that I think, for example, is uh, that you could look at things as physical objects uh, versus non physical objects, and and. That being, you still have that physical object that is being sold. Like, you know, and music is a bad example. Um, and, and because of the internet, it becomes hard to make this argument. But this is an argument that you can make. So there is still a CD that is made and printed. And that CD is sim more similar to that pack of gum than an MP3 in a digital file format is. Right, and that's just because uh, it is in a package, and uh, it went through a similar line of things to get there. You bought it from a person, but the the difference that's important as far as music is concerned is that it's not just um, uh, well, I suppose it's similar anyway because you've got like for the musician, you have uh, the person that performed the song and the person that wrote the song and the people that played the song, the people that recorded, and the, the people song. that recorded it, and the studio engineer, engineers, the, mixers, masters, yeah. the people that own the, the studio. The people, it's a huge line of things. There, there is a, you know, and all those a lot people, of people involved in everything that you get in life. All those people need to be paid. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I don't think that there is a moral or ethical difference between stealing those items. I think people, Except that, I think that perhaps the price of those items was artificially inflated, um, but that's, in a, that's a personal opinion. Um, there's one, I think that the, like for music, for example, uh, the, the amount of money the artist gets and all those other people get has sort of shifted to live concerts as opposed to, right. uh, the actual, um, uh, music itself. Like perhaps selling records wasn't the best way to garner a long-term industry. Well, it was for a long time. Well, to, it, it got the industry going, but it wasn't going to work forever as technology got better. It was the internet that spoiled that for the record industry. I suppose. I mean, I think uh, that being able to yes, it was the internet was the main reason why. Yeah. Um So let's go let's move on to what you were going to say. Uh so so you were talking about um if if someone well, well, I'll just put it to you. Okay, well, you know, one of the reasons why I think that people may, you know, just oh, why they would go. Take no, no, no. Something. Well, yes, but going back to the original question for a moment, why they would view it in a different moral sense is because uh, music is art, right? You're not. It's not a commodity. It's not a consumable product. 
Um, music is art. Art is always going to exist. You're not stealing a song, thus not enabling somebody else to get that song. When you steal a song, it's still there for everyone else. Well, you're you're licensing the the for your usage of that product. Yes, very specifically, that's what you do when you buy a CD. Uh-huh. Um, but people never thought about it that way before there was like DRM and stuff like that. Well, correct. Because people are used to music being available to everybody. When you turn on a song, everyone in the surrounding area can hear it. When you chew a piece of gum, you're the only one who can have it. Or you can share it with a finite number of people. Um, so it, in addition to like songs always being on the radio, I think people were more used to it being closer to art and art being free. And maybe there's something to be said about uh, as an artist, once you create something, you don't necessarily own it. Uh, in the way that you might want to, you don't own all control to that for you know time immemorial. So let's let's just take a moment to marinate on Jason's uh, good thoughts over there. And uh, you brought some more beers into the classroom, right? Yes. What would you bring in? Okay, so we have the Arcadia Ales Hot Mouth IPA, double IPA. I stand corrected. Uh, from Battle Creek, Michigan, home of Kellogg's. And home of the new TV show, Battle Creek. Is it really? <laughs> I guess that makes sense, right? Yeah. So this is an 8% alcohol uh, beer. It's a double IPA. It's very dark color, which uh, makes me think that it's probably rather malty or uh, roasted at least. And um, How's it taste? I have been enjoying it. Mm. It's got some uh, citrusy uh, sort of finish to it. It's kind of a good follow-up to the decadent that we were drinking earlier because the decadent was a little bit more alcohol-centered. Yeah, the decadent is 10% IPA uh, alcohol, that is, and it's clearly affecting my words. Hot mouth. And it looks really cool because the the cover looks like it was like someone made it in Minecraft. Oh, it kind of does, yeah. (laughs) I mean, maybe they did. I don't know. I'm not familiar. It's a big hop creeper. Um, But, okay, so so to Jason's point... um, to say that that um, that something that someone creates is is um, is sort of available to everyone is is true in a sense, but all, in a very literal sense. But I all think. but all of that must still like um, according to our uh, the way that, that money flows, etc. It must go back uh, somehow so that everyone involved with this can still like make a living. And, right. And, so we as consumers of these things. Okay, you're the musician. You're the guy creating something. Me, as a consumer, I have to understand that if I don't support this financially, that it won't be around at a certain point. Well, that's true. If, you know, if, if, if someone goes out to busk or, or someone plays with a band and no one ever shows up, then they, they have to go and get another job. They're not going to play with the and band nobody's going to make their music anymore. Yeah, so you are you are paying with your money to support those particular artists in that which you like. And and a lot of people you you could say, I mean, for example, that uh, well, I I go to their concerts and and I give them money that way. Right. Um and that's fine, but but that's I mean, it's not any really really different than um than supporting another product a different way. Like Mountain Dew, for example, sponsors a lot of stuff. They have T-shirts. They have a lot of things that aren't just Mountain Dew—the beverage in a can. So you can they support, put their logo on lots of things. You can sure. support them a lot of different ways, not just by buying Mountain Dew. That's called diversification. <laughs> yes, it is. 
Um, but but you do make a good point, and we'll we'll come back to it. So let's go on okay. to the next one. So the the point that I was getting to earlier, um, what I was thinking is one of the reasons why you might feel okay with stealing it. Well, you, with you're knowing that you're stealing it. You're, you're attempting to justify uh, the ethic and, yes. and moral, ethical and moral like uh, obligation. Uh, that, obligation. Your obligation to purchase this yeah, item. Right. Is essentially, I was never going to purchase it anyways. Either this is something that I had never heard of and it's not my style to buy it, or I'm far too poor to ever go to the movies or pay for HBO. But you know that that, that is an argument that is built on straw. I, sure. Yes. But, Ultimately, you know, yes. I mean, here's one thing that, you know. Because you, you could afford when this you computer, can't afford you could things, afford the internet connection. and Yeah, but getting a computer and getting an internet connection is cheap compared to spending tons of money on all this media. Look, I know spend that... spend 10 times as much money know, on media. I know that we're not uh, having a discussion to each other uh, more about the topic as far as a point-counterpoint kind of thing, but you can't say that I was never going to buy it anyway so I can just get whatever I want. That that's uh, That's a terrible argument. It's a fallacy. It doesn't make sense. It is a fallacy, but... The reason why I bring it up is because when people think that way, they are exposed to more things. If if I were to just have never, you know, decided to download anything, there would have been all kinds of genres of music that I never really got, you know, exposed to. But that's not true because you can you can be exposed to them in different ways. I could have, but the way I was exposed to them in the most efficient way for me to be exposed to them was through this downloading of music. Now, well, if that's correct, and and then then you're the one that chose that way, and, and, and you're the I, one that decided it was the. Most I understood efficient. it at the time, but I also I think to to my credit or slash in defense of me uh, doing that, <laughs> um, I then seeked out other ways of uh, supporting the artists in some of the artists, not all of them for sure, um, and. Seeking out legal ways of doing this. There is a whole gigantic community uh, that trades live concerts and stuff like that. Mm. Stuff that bands have given their blessing to go ahead and trade freely. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, that was spawned from the Grateful Dead, and now there's hundreds of bands that go with it. I even did a report when I was in college about, you know, how to find tons of legal downloadable music. So now you're you're talking more about you specifically. You know? Right. So... so- when when I was younger, uh, I I wanted to be exposed to lots of different kinds of music, as well, and so I did obtain some of those illegally, uh, and in fact had some uh, part in in uh, helping dis- others distribution to some degree. Although this was private um, for the most part and not not public to sure to anyone, and we never tried well, to make any profit on any of this I never tried to profit on it but I definitely had made it available in some areas to the public and I got booted off Comcast for that Well see that's what I was talking about But earlier. this was like in 1999 But but here well that was a bad year to be doing something It like was that. you know the statute of limitations has run out between me and Comcast well, There you go They'll allow me to be a customer again But now see like I love Spotify for example because Spotify uh, you can listen to anything on their entire catalog um, and it doesn't matter um, like it's not like Pandora in which you would choose a specific artist and it would just play similar ones. You can literally just make your own playlist. You can listen to whatever you want. You can listen to entire albums. You can listen to whatever. And and because of the way that they do business, some of that money 
uh, goes to the artists. And so you're That's still fantastic. you're still supporting them, and and you're getting whatever you want too, and you're also eliminating the whole like having to download things, exposing yourselves to risk. Is is if it were you know spyware, adware, where you're downloading things, right. uh, Exposing yourself to Comcast, your ISP, to copyright infringement, to uh-huh. lawsuits. Uh-huh. You're getting rid of uh, all sorts of stuff, Look, and and you're 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 being able to uh, still do exactly what it is that you wanted to do. One of the reasons why people would do this sort of illegal downloading back in the day was that it wasn't available in any other form, any other way. You couldn't legally obtain these things digitally. Uh, well, so, I mean, a lot of times you could go to a library and pick up something, right, or you right. could, you know, there are so, other ways, but this was the, the easiest industries, way. Industries, the movie industry, the music industry, the television industry, have come around uh, with things like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, um, and just, you know, better ways of consuming things. The iTunes store is probably the first one for music, for sure. You know, that became just a, a gigantic thing. Remember the... When the they funny celebrated thing, so much when they sold the mil- their millionth song. The funny thing is there were a lot of things before then, but uh, but Apple has a way of packaging things and putting them together that everyone finds really easy and good, just like Amazon. Yes. Uh, so it's like Amazon was not the first. Google has that touch with a lot of things too. Yeah, Amazon was not the first store. Google was not the first search engine. Apple was not the first uh, uh, music place to buy music. But, right. But all of them have become the best at that. Yes, and uh, undoubtedly and there is something to be said for that. Yes, and if I want to buy something, uh, that's that's great. And and also they off they often offer like you know free downloads or like uh, the ability to to get like credits for stuff. And like I have a I have a credit card that offers everyone I, got the U two CD for free. Yeah, they just they hand out free songs all the time. Right. If you and and we're not um, iOS users ourselves. Uh, but if you are, for example, then you know that like every week or, or month or something, they have like a free album that, that you can just, heck, it might be day by now. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure. But they have no problem going around and putting the spotlight on stuff. Um, so, um, <laughs> moving on to the second point. <laughs> All right. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't stealing mean that one party has taken something from another party, meaning that the original person no longer has the item in question? So we talked about this as, as it being like a piece of gum, for example. Uh, downloading a file from the internet is as important, uh, does not actually remove it from the possession of someone else. Mm-hmm. And we know it's not a solid object, but it's important to think about that, I think. Okay. Um, so the internet being intangible, yeah, could it be shown that the item that's being stolen is still a piece of the original party's livelihood and and so that you do see some sense in in some of this backlash from like these these companies big or small well i mean tell me this do you think that sneaking into a concert is illegal yes of course so you know you're not taking something from someone you're not taking anything away from anybody by sneaking into a concert um correct but you know you are still stealing from somebody right so it can be without the internet still applied that you don't necessarily have to take the thing from the person to be stealing from them now there's a lot to be said if you sneak into a concert you're not hurting anybody and if you're not like taking anybody's seat or anything like that then you're not putting anybody out in fact 
you know, you're probably going to buy a beer. Well, you, you open yourself to a lot there by saying you're not hurting anybody, etc. Like, there's a lot of things. If enough people snuck in, then it could be a fire hazard. And well, you it could cause in, a lot of problems. You're not subject to the search. Uh, you know, you, you could have a gun on you. You could have a bomb on you. You could be distributing drugs that are, are lined with something. Well, we're talking about... Uh, people who steal music, not terrorists. I understand that, but I know that some people don't see a distinction but between. But that. you're, not pro- that, you're not providing, that uh, you know, like an analogy here of 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 someone sneaking into uh, a theater. So. I, guess, I think it's assumed that if you're ste- if I'm saying that you're stealing access to a concert, that's all you're doing it for. You're you're going there for the concert. But the internet's more loaded than that too. I mean, there could be key loggers on these things. Uh, there could be viruses. There could be all sorts of things. Well, yeah, I mean, that is the risk of the person, you know, stealing the thing. Yeah, well, it, it, you're right. That That is a little topsy-turvy, so uh, it, it goes on the other party. Um, but it, it's a tough metaphor to make, but I understand. I take your point. Uh, hey, pirates steal from pirates, too. Yeah, they, they do. So you talked about earlier uh, trying trying something out. Um, you know, never would have purchased it otherwise. Uh-huh. Um, maybe it isn't ethically wrong because you never would have taken it, you know, or you just wanted to see what it was like. You wanted your 30-day trial. Yeah. So if a person finds out they really do like or use something uh, that they had downloaded illegally, uh, they should probably purchase it, right? Uh, yes, and, you know, the Internet is filled with anecdotes of people saying exactly that. Well, sure, but but aren't there, don't you think personally, because I do, that there are way more people that, that like that, something and then say, oh, great, I didn't have to pay for it. Yes, and you know I would count myself among them. I've also done the other way around, not necessarily bought that exact thing, but then gone on to support the artist in, you know, to a large extent. Well, in my history, I've done both things as well. However, yeah. I do think that it's wrong to, to, to take something for free that should cost money and go somewhere, down a specific funnel, and then not go back and... and Give that person, you know, money. Let's say I, I download an album and I listen to it four hundred times. I mean, do you really think that the like you're entitled to that? <laughs> to have never supported that band in another exactly. way. Exactly. That's a strong case, in my opinion. I've probably I mean I don't know. Well, this is not, Here, how this about, is not how about, about this? you or I. How about this? This is about... How would you feel... This is about the question. Right, right. How would you feel if uh, that band in question, the band wasn't actually getting any of the money? The band didn't own any of the rights to any of the music anymore. And if you were... Uh, what, what does that mean? What do you mean? Okay, well, we keep talking about how we want to make sure that the artist is the one who's um, who's compensated, Right. That's sort of the gist of this. No, I, but, but, that, that's that's a word that was said, but but ultimately it's about the big line of people. The, the, everyone, okay. Now, so, now what, whatever so the artist agrees to, it doesn't matter to you that the artist is going to be look, maybe ripped off. Whatever, too. whatever the artist agrees to, that's what the artist agreed to. I mean, it's you're buying an item of food, you're you're paying for all the people in the in the production line. Yeah, uh, I totally get that. Maybe some people don't. I mean, maybe there are some people that are ignorant and think that, oh, so if I buy this Chumbawamba CD, if they're even still around, then Chumbawamba gets a, you know, a then, check at the end of the month. Then the members of Chumbawamba split it evenly. Well, that's not happening. I mean, I wonder be, if you could actually. That would be a good scavenger hunt thing, like Chumbawamba CD. You couldn't like go to the store and buy one. Uh, maybe at Best Buy. I don't know. Maybe I mean, at a used record store. Yeah, well, we again we got to witness the death of the of the stores like coconuts and tower. Well, we saw them and, explode and then die. It's crazy. 
Yeah. They burned brightly, but for oh, so short. A but time. I don't want to change the the point that we're on, which is, which is that if if you are using something a lot, you should you should probably be uh, somehow uh, reciprocating that use. It goes to the point I said earlier, where you know you can really see it on a small scale, where like if you decide to support something and it continues, and you say, oh well, I think I had a hand in that. But if you if you download some, you know, if you if you just take something and you never give back, you can't be surprised when it goes away. Well, you're actually you're actually then part of it not happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe you would have never discovered it in the first place. It doesn't mean. But that... unless you, I don't know, unless you're like an evangelist and just converting people to this band, and all of those people spend money, then it's a pyramid scheme of pirating. Well, we we are obviously. We're you, not we're not saying that like you download a Hanson album and through you like promoting Hanson single handedly you rise them back to stardom. <laughs> that that is not the object here. <laughs> but but I do think if you download a Hanson album and listen to it fifty times, you should probably like buy something from Hanson because you have then taken like this huge chunk of your life and and you know, used it um, or, or experienced it along with this piece of art, which you contributed in no way to. So I just feel like that's probably something that is uh, morally and ethically wrong. Do you think it's, I mean, do you feel that way about everything or only things that people are selling? Can you give me an example? Okay, well, we don't sell our podcast to anybody. We just put it up there for everyone. It's free. If someone were to listen to every episode, do you think that they should owe us money? No, because it doesn't okay. cost anything. Well, it does cost something. Well, it does cost one thing. If you're listening right now, we really appreciate it. And you should go to uh, iTunes and subscribe. And while you're there, uh, we would really appreciate a rating and a review because that gets us more well-known. And also on Stitcher, where you can listen. And make sure to follow us uh, on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash drink5network. Uh, drink5.com is where you can find all of our articles. Should I go on, Jason? No, keep going, please. <laughs> uh, Twitter.com slash drink5 is where we are spitting out all of this random knowledge that we might or might not have. Uh, in addition to that, we, we have a Google Plus account, um, and you can find us there if you still exist in this archaic civilization uh, that is Google+. Google Plus, Plus is a thing. Uh, but no, I mean, people don't need to pay us. They pay us by listening. They pay us by uh, going to the website and reading our articles and by participating. Uh, you know, whether it be live in the chat room or by commenting or by reading or by sharing or by talking about it. Okay. So it is possible to compensate the creators in ways other than financially. Um, if the product is free. Only if it's free. I think so. Like, let's let's say uh, our product is free and we have commercials, and those commercials get us money. Right. Then it's a different. What if discussion. somebody? I mean, you know. Then it is possible. That's exactly what you're talking about, which we're going to get to in just a second. Which which is the new kind of format for things, right? So, like, if we had two commercials during this podcast, and each one of those commercials made us a thousand dollars. We just had one. Well, that's not a commercial. That's a promo, not a commercial. A commercial is something that advertises for someone else. Well, it advertised for us. There's commercials for NBC shows on NBC. And NBC doesn't have to pay for them. And NBC doesn't get paid for them. We didn't have to pay for that one. It does, we don't get paid for it. That's just me talking. <laughs> uh, 
But but yeah, so if we did have commercials and they paid us a set amount of money for each time they aired, then it could still be free and people would be paying us by listening. I totally agree. But see, that's that's not the case. So they're they're not actually, you know, um, uh, well, you know what I'm saying. Um, in general, music software and other media like television shows or movies, they're not really being sold. And we talked about this earlier. So if you purchase like, uh, if you purchase a CD, you don't own it. You don't own the music. You don't own the artist. You don't own anything about it. If you purchase that pack of gum that you talked about earlier, you own the gum. You get to eat it. You get to give it out to whoever you want to. And if you don't give it out to someone, then they might cry. But I mean, that's that's your responsibility. Those are the consequences that come to you. Um, if you um, if you purchase a CD, you you get a license to use. And listen to that music in certain situations, like you can't play it for a large group of people. Uh, you can't sample it on your album and then sell said album without permission. But I think you can use it in like live settings sometimes. I'm not sure. Well, it's true, but but you talk about like a DJ for a wedding, for example, right? They're not really supposed to just play a bunch of music without giving money to the artists because they're right. using them for profit. But it's too small of an operation for anybody to care. That's true. Very it's, true. It's one of those things. I mean, I'm in a, a couple cover bands, and we play in local bars. Technically, we are not allowed to do that without giving some money. There's a certain amount of money in a certain like uh, place you're supposed to put it. Really? Yeah. There's like something set up for yeah. bands like... Okay. In anybody. It's, it's not my material. It's not my artistic stuff. It's not my intellectual property. Which means right. if I was to use them completely legally, I should be paying someone some amount of money in order to do that. Interesting. But again, there's basically a precedent set up, which means if you are not making a lot of money yourself, then it doesn't really matter. There's like a minimum cutoff. It's like a private use kind of thing. But, but slightly expanded from personal use. But you know how the, the legislation works, which is uh, really the cutoff is any money, just so that they can sue you whenever they want to, if you make any money, uh, based on their whims, really. True. But th it's always in favor of the people that make the laws. And the people that paid to get them there in the first place. Yes, exactly. Uh, and so these days there are many places that you can play music or watch TV uh, from. And that's what we talked about earlier. So the intellectual property owners still get a piece. Uh, Spotify, like I mentioned, Pandora we talked about, YouTube and Hulu that you mentioned. Um, all those places, you can watch whatever you want that is available, but you're still giving money to the creators in some fashion. Okay, so even on YouTube that's happening? Yes. Excellent. Uh, in fact, I mean, they, they take people down for copyright infringement all the time. I do see that a lot, yeah. And that's because those people are out there searching because they want to, the people to be directed to their channel where they can watch commercials and make money off of it. Okay. And I, I like the way that YouTube does it, to be honest, because in, for the vast majority of videos out there on YouTube, you have to listen to like a 30-second uh, commercial. But, or like five seconds but, of that commercial. But immediately it'll be like, skip ad. Yeah. And so they sort of give you the chance to like you know get past it. And I kind of like that. I, I like the fact that uh, they're going to do that. So a lot of people don't care and they're going to watch the whole thing. And those people that don't care, you don't have to worry about them. You can be the one that skips. 
Yeah. Because there's a lot of people that watch the well, whole ad. when they give ad. you the option, then you take it. Ah. Just like we were saying earlier, if something's offered for free, you take it. So if, if there are a lot of places where you can consume media for free, and accepting for those things that are not available anywhere else, that it's impossible to procure by any other means, um, why are people still downloading files illegally? I think that it's probably cut down a lot, or maybe it's shifted more to like cell phones and stuff like that. There, there's a massive amount of, of illegal downloads, just more than there's ever been before. Oh, well, okay, here's an example. Uh, Game of Thrones, right? Game of Thrones famously is the most pirated show. A.K.A. We're All Going to Die, the show. Exactly. The, <laughs> the most pirated show in the world. And HBO kind of brags about that a little bit. Uh, because it makes their show look good, obviously. Sure. Um, but one of the reasons that people say that they download it all the time is because uh, the spoilers for that show hit social media so quickly. You know, the show ends at 9 o'clock. By 9.05, there's crap everywhere. Yep. Uh, that they couldn't wait to watch it legally in their country the next day or the next week Do you know or what, however long it would take. Do you know what Game of Thrones says about the piracy? Well, they don't care, really. They, they say, like, bring it on. They said it's more flattering than an actual award. Yes. Be, one of the reasons is because they don't win very many awards at all. I think they won a couple of awards the first year. But they know. And every other year they've been snubbed. That if you're talking about the people, all the people love it. All the people. Right, but even HBO is going to try and address this in a certain way. Of course they are. What because they doing, know any company wants to monetize any portion of their business that is not monetized. Absolutely. So what they're going to do this year is air Game of Thrones at the exact same time worldwide in as many uh, of their outlets as they can. And that will cut down on the amount of people pirating. It definitely will. If somebody in England can watch it uh, very first thing, uh, just on their own thing, they don't have to wait till 24 hours later, then they can go ahead and watch it. Well, Game of Thrones and some other uh, programs are you know, sort of driving people to subscribe to HBO in the first place, and HBO Go coming out is, is a huge thing as well. If you can pay the $10 a month or whatever it is to, uh, to get this channel and watch it whenever you want, then a lot of people find that more convenient than downloading it online, especially because HBO has no commercials. However, um, it, it is still something that is going to be pirated a lot. And HBO actually does crack down on this a really good bit. I've, HBO has, been, has launched lawsuits. HBO has been very hardcore I've about gotten it. a few letters from Comcast in the past. And anyone who's gotten a letter knows what I'm talking about. Uh, and they've all been for HBO things. HBO is always watching. <laughs> they are they definitely are um but but very good point about game of thrones so most pirated tv show out there and they love it um netflix uses piracy figures to decide which shows to buy next oh cool so they'll i mean netflix is amazing netflix dude. will probably be the top player in the tv game in a couple of years if hbo and netflix had a baby it would be the only thing i would need to watch for the rest of my life uh, we should have a show about about as long as it had football. Random corporations having babies and what they would be like. Oh, that would be great. We've got the dominatrix lawyer, and okay. then uh, what is the Netflix HBO? Netflix HBO. It just the baby is the greatest. The only thing I need to watch for the rest of my life. <laughs> you love this. You love this baby. Uh, yeah. So so literally, um, it the higher ups at Netflix have admitted that they will look into people that are pirating to find out what rights to buy for what shows. 
Cool. Then they'll buy those rights and not the ones that people aren't watching. You know, okay, so as you it can makes probably gather, sense. you know, as listeners could gather, um, I used to download lots of things in the 90s and the early 2000s. Anything I wanted to watch, I would download. Now I, you know, am an adult. I earn a certain income where I can, you know, go ahead and pay for cable television, which has HBO. I can, you know, have a Netflix subscription. I can access... Uh, Amazon Prime video and stuff like that where I, you know, the only things that I don't, the only things I download now really are things that I uh, can't get, you know. So like a show that's no longer around is Top Gear, right? Uh, That show wasn't ever available in America until at the very least a whole day later. Sometimes it was a week later. Mm. Uh, so that was that's an example of something that I was paying for, but I would download it because I wanted it earlier. Um, but you know, it, it's become so much easier to actually pay for this stuff legitimately, and it's provided in uh, such a fantastic uh, format now. It's so user friendly, it's so accessible that uh, I think they've finally started to curb the need to pirate everything. They've addressed that issue, and they've done it very well. Well, what you're going to find now is the problem is that now people are saying, let's cut cable. And when you cut cable, what people do is they get the regular channels, the network channels, and then they just pirate everything. So I don't think most people pirate a lot of things when look, they cut the cord. You have no statistics to back up any of those facts. And well, you're assuming that a lot of people do. A massive amount of people pirate. Netflix looks at them Where as a are your huge... your statistics to back that up? Well, I... It's hard to get the stats, and, and yes, I understand. But I mean, but you have to understand too that that it's almost like the same amount of people that are like watching these things online or downloading them that are watching them legally through these other uh, you know uh, viewports, because that's why these companies are so interested in this in this culture and these people because they're like, how can I get them on board? Right. Offer them what they want to well, see. Well, I think a lot of the people who cut the cord do uh, turn around and then buy Netflix and buy Hulu. You're absolutely right. And what, what these companies want to do is they want to offer them enough stuff so that they don't have to. They want to show the lawyer dominatrix that their ways aren't working. <laughs> well, it, it's and they be- need to uh, change what like their format. It's, it's so they, they don't have to. Right? So, like, for example, we, we do pay for cable. We pay for a, a lot of things because we... We consume we a lot it. of media. Yeah. And if if we were to cut cable, then we probably would pirate stuff. And we probably would pirate, like, uh, well, like, we would we would have a serious we, problem. We, we weren't, like, the norm. Like, we already know how to do all that stuff. No, no, no. no. But what I'm saying is you have things like, uh, you have things like the NFL, um, for example, where people are pirating the NFL. And I've seen some of those streams, and they're just not very good. Right. Um, it's really I'm not convinced that there's a way to do it right. No, but it, I don't know how to do it. It's not possible to get the like full bandwidth 1080p like HD NFL feed. If if they if they made I'm sorry if they made an NFL channel like uh one like an a, HBO a Go, channel. yeah, that costs like 20 bucks a month during football season, I would pay for it. I don't care uh, if it was whatever as long it was. As we got every every game. As long as we got Scott Hansen every Sunday. <laughs> uh, here's a couple more little tidbits. So, uh, Trent Reznor, uh, obviously a frontman of Nine Inch Nails, for those of you people who don't know who he is. Um, 
he was so angry about the the really high prices that Universal Records was charging for his music that he just told his fans to uh, steal the songs. Yeah. I mean, and this is Universal Records' fault because Universal admitted uh, later that they were literally just, you know, raising prices because anyone would pay whatever they charged for Nine Inch Nails' album. They would sell the same amount of records no matter what. Yeah, and Trent Reznor doesn't care because he's rich. So, I mean... He's a little bit of an outlier here. Oh, that's definitely an outlier move. Yeah. I mean, we see a lot of these things, though. Like Radiohead, they decided to release their album on the internet only. And a lot of other people have done that. Comedians have done that. Uh, uh, what's... Wilco has done that. And a few of them have done it in a sort of, um, here it is, pay as much as you want for it. But all of You those... can either take it or you can pay me a dollar, you can pay me $10. But all of those people are still like well enough off to not have to worry about it. Yeah, I mean, you don't hear many stories of a nobody setting that up and becoming a famous artist. Because they wouldn't. But it works very well for artists that are already well-established through the old system, I might add. But there's a reason for that. Because, yeah, I know. I mean... Yeah, because their people are already conditioned. You have and to have, have fans, name. and yeah. the fans will buy it. Yeah, I mean, you, you There can't... will be new bands eventually, and they will be able to do it as well. Mm, bands well, that come up with that system... I don't think so. It's going to happen at some point. No, because if they're popular somewhere, they're popular because they're viral. And being viral is different from just deciding to put your album for free. If you're viral and you have the entire internet, that's like sending out a spam mail for Viagra. Maybe 0.02% of the people respond to it, but if you send it to a million people, you make a million dollars. <laughs> that's a lot of people. Uh, System of a Down was so annoyed at songs being pirated that they actually released better versions of them. <laughs> they, because they, the the quality the quality that was yeah they they, was they released a song uh, uh or an album called toxicity 2 and the song didn't think that the uh the band didn't think that the songs were were that great uh so they were really upset when they heard them because they hadn't actually uh heard them yet from the final mix and mastered version that was oh. it was pirated Okay. And they're like, we don't like this at all. It was pirated before the master was all yeah. finished. So they're like, screw that. We're going to go back. We're going to change the album because we don't like the album we just delivered. That's great. It, it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> um, uh, a couple other things. Let's see. Uh, we talked about Radiohead. The uh, Well, we know that Radiohead did one of those uh, one of those things with one of their albums where they just said... You can pay whatever you want for it. I right? think they were one of the first to do that. Right. Uh, but it's funny because the band, uh, they, they started a tour in Barcelona uh, for the album Kid A. And after a couple hours uh, of the concert, like after it was over, the entire thing was on Napster. This is back in like uh, 99 the or 2000. The entire album? concert. Oh. Uh, well, yeah, the entire album. Recorded from the concert. Okay. Because they played it. Uh, and then so... The band played in Israel a couple weeks later, and then the entire crowd, who should have never heard the album before, ever, was yeah. singing along to every word of the, of new, the album. new album. That's great. Because they had all pirated it, and they had all listened to it, and they all knew the songs immediately. Yeah. And so, I mean... That's a fun little phenomenon. But that's kind of a different thing, though, because Radiohead, like a lot of these bands... A lot of these groups that we talk about that do this kind of stuff, like Wilco, they're kind of cults of followers. They definitely have that, uh, you know, that sort of vibe going on. And if you're this kind of like really strong cults of uh, fellowship, 
you can do whatever you want. People will pay for it. True. Very true. Uh, <laughs> just like the Nine Inch Nails album. Lars Lars Ulrich pirated his own album just because he could. Oh God. Do you do you remember those uh, those animations that used to be online about Metallica? Fire bad, <laughs> exactly. Napster bad. <laughs> those oh, I watched that video. You know, talk about seeing something for free like five hundred times, and you should support the guy. I mean, I went to his website and watched it, but man, I watched that thing over and over again. In two thousand nine, like Superfly. Uh, Ulrich had an interview, and he admitted in the interview that after they released the album called Death Magnetic, which, by the way, I have no idea what that is, and I haven't paid attention to Metallica. I'm really since, glad I've never heard that album since like two thousand. Yeah, yeah. Um, he downloaded it illegally just to see what piracy felt like. Just to see what it felt like, and he Did and his skin fall off. And as he put it, if there is anybody that has a right to download Death Magnetic for free, it's me. Fine. So he, he's right. It's but also people who've bought it in the store. He should probably have a copy at his house. You know. Yeah, he probably already has one. So Lars, I mean, uh, yes, fire is bad, but I don't really see your point, man. I mean, those guys are still rich, and uh, they have everything that is that they There's want. There's a great South Park episode about downloading music illegally, and they talk about how Lars's children can't get their Shark Tank <laughs> until next year. So, so. Do we come to a compromise? Uh, I know that you kind of like the way things are going, and so do I. I think that by having smaller amounts of payments for uh, the things that you actually want to listen to with a small amount of compromise uh, as to how we will pay the actual artists yeah. for their IP yeah. is the way of the future. And it doesn't have to be you know two-minute commercials every five minutes because that shit sucks. But right, that does suck. But if you can figure out a way to get a little bit of money out there to them and uh-huh. still be sort of transparent to me about it, yeah, then I'll support it, and I won't, uh, you know, need to go and download something from somewhere else. And I think um, eventually you're going to see everything sort of uh, become freely available as long as it's on these kinds of outlets. Or uh, I think another avenue that could be explored is the idea that once uh, digital currency becomes much more prevalent... uh, You're assuming that digital currency becomes much more prevalent. I'm not saying like in five years it's going to happen, but in 50 years it makes perfect sense. Okay, this is a possibility. Anyways, uh, the possibility of doing efficient micropayments to pay for things is going to make getting this stuff a lot easier. Like I would much rather pay five cents for a song... Uh, than have to worry about getting a virus from a website uh, that I downloaded from. Well, we do the same thing now. Is that you're talking about apps and talking about games where you, you put in a certain amount of money, so you're like, here's $20. Then they would convert it to whatever sort of currency is what they want, um, and they can charge whatever they want, whatever fraction of whatever they want. That's the same thing. I think... Uh, I'm talking about it like on a much more practical scale. Like nobody, there, There's nothing that exists that allows you to listen to a song for a penny. Sure there is. There is? What is it? You mean specifically? Yeah. Well, well, that, that, that involves a lot more than just having a digital currency that a lot of people use. Well, I don't know exactly where, you know, this who's going to host it and stuff like that. Well, th- th- there are, are things that allow you to listen to a song for free. So why would you listen to it for a penny? You go to Spotify, you can listen to whatever you want for free. You know what I mean? So that, that particular Yeah, but thing, maybe a band... It, Instead of putting it up on Spotify, you can put it up on their own website. You can pay them directly. 
But why would you do that if you could listen to it somewhere else for free? Because you know that if you listen to it on Spotify, you're going to have to listen to an ad. Uh, well, there are no ads on the Spotify desktop version. How does version. Spotify make money then? Well, I, I'm, I don't work for Spotify, so I, I can't really get too much into it. Well, if they don't charge you and they don't show you ads or you know play ads for you, then it's through collecting all of your information. It could be possible. You know, by default, kind of. So say you don't want to provide all of your information to a large company. Well, you're, you're probably right. Uh, I think I think that uh, you, you may get ads if you have the free version of Spotify. And let's say you pay some kind of uh, incremental fee or something or, or one-time fee, then you don't get it. But I, I'm not an expert on that. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, everything can't be available on Spotify, is it? Well... A lot of things are, and, and everything's not available on iTunes, and iTunes has a huge library. Right, everything's not available on any one given platform. Of course not, and that's just, like, not really possible. Exactly. For, uh, for, for anything, <laughs> ever. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I do agree with you. I think that micropayments are sort of the way of the future, but they're already happening. I, um, I think it'll be, you know, micropayments for a lot of different things online, and then it'll just become com- You won't have to go through an intermediary like Spotify. You'll be able to just go straight from the band. Yeah, but but the, see, the thing about the intermediaries is that they're the ones that bring you to the band. You you wouldn't just go to the band. You know there'll what I mean? Be, there'll be a way of you know people finding out about these things still. Yeah, an intermediary. <laughs> Then they're always going to try and sell you something, that's for sure. Of course they are. I mean, capitalism doesn't go away just because technology advances. It gets more uh, you know, busy with digital monetization. I sort of work in this field, and you know, that's kind of what happens, is that people just get more and more serious about uh, what is this information that we have, or, or how could we possibly monetize this or this. Um, it, I mean... Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe maybe I'm right. I don't know. But my original question... I'm sure neither of us is totally right. My original question is, how does online piracy end? The answer is it doesn't. Uh, but, Agreed. But I do think that it sort of gets a Just little like bit smaller. Well, which no, we're celebrating the end of tonight. It's not like prohibition. In that, you were never going to actually stop people from drinking alcohol. There's no one way to stop everyone from pirating things. Yes, uh, but but I do think, like like you said, that I think everything will sort of be more freely available, uh, where free equals almost free, right? And people just have to sort of be okay with that. It'll be so much easier, you know, so much so easily accessed. Like you know, I would rather pay a penny to listen to a high quality copy of a song that I want to hear than listen to a crappy YouTube quality for free. There's certainly that. Sure. But, I mean, and, and, and perhaps that, that's the sort of thing that will happen. We'll see. Um, but, you know, just, just going to a website, for example, going to YouTube, you're actually paying more than a penny back to the, uh, um, to the artist, probably. I'm saying the cost to me. The cost to me uh, to go to YouTube is free. Yeah, but YouTube has 1080p and and, and uh, but, high quality audio that you can select now from from its videos. Uh, I'm, but I'm, not everything is up there. That's for sure. In high quality. Point is, I think the big players are going to to make the the poll 
to make this happen exactly how you want it to happen. And, and if you are okay with that, if you are okay with that, then I can imagine that a lot of other people are going to be okay with that that are much less learned in technology. And it's kind of scary because it's one of those things where you do a survey and they show you this product and you're like, yeah, I mean, uh, how much would you pay for that? I'd pay uh, 250 for that. And then they get the consensus of everybody and they're like, all right, well, it's $3. And you're like, yeah, $3, I'll pay that. <laughs> you know, like you, you say a penny. Uh, I bet people that uh, are are less into this sort of field, maybe they would pay a nickel. Maybe they would pay 10 cents. Sure. You know, I mean, so how much are we paying? We're going to end up paying more than we were previously paying somehow because of DLC and the prevalence of that. Well, yeah. I hate that stuff. I would much rather pay one time to have an intermediary that I can listen to whatever I want than I would ever, ever want to uh, pay. So, so you're much more into like the Netflix kind of service. Oh, yeah. To, than to pay like an, a charge per thing because that gets scary. A la carte, man, gets expensive. It's the same thing as going to a restaurant, right? Sure. Like you can order from the 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 uh, price fixed menu and and get three courses for thirty dollars, or you can order a la carte and you can get this steak for twenty and this uh, frites for seven and and the onion rings for twelve, and suddenly you're paying sixty dollars. Yeah, it's tough. You're making me hungry. <laughs> so if uh, if we have any consensus tonight, it's probably that we both think that things will sort of die down a little bit just because we have higher quality stuff. For less of a, of an impact on your life, an easier yes, yes, it's a good way to put it. Yeah, uh, w- whether it be a five second commercial, you know, w- whether it be you you a also have cheaper a cheaper transaction, or, or yeah, yeah Just whatever, easily accessed or a- accessible in the first place. Right. So so it's good then ultimately that all this happened because it will eventually be better. Or or do you think that? Uh, you know, and I'm usually the pessimistic one. I don't really know my opinion right now uh, because this is kind of 15, 20 years in the future. But, I mean, maybe it gets worse. No, I think we'll look back and see that it was um, sort of a way to help spread uh, everything. Like, it led to the advent of everything being able to be viral and stuff like that. And it, you will look at it as... What, know, is, what does that mean, everything able to be viral? Uh, because, you know, people got attuned to the concept of spreading music very quickly. Uh, or, you know, th- that's what happened with Napster was that uh, songs could spread extremely fast because of its decentralized nature. Well, that's how it is now. And that's exactly what happens now with YouTube videos, with any kind of videos or songs. Now. So it's not the future. You're talking about now and the immediate future. I'm saying that, you know, people are going to look back at it and see that it contributed to that, you know, phenomena. That music, you know, specifically music piracy contributed to that. Contributed to the fact that we have Chocolate Rain and, like, all these viral videos that are part of our cultural history now. Well, that's true. But thankfully, a lot of those viral videos, they go away as fast as they came. They're like a two-week-long phenomenon. They wouldn't be phenomenon. viral videos otherwise. Yeah. It'd well, be Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Right on. 
Uh, well, I think we had a good discussion and uh, look forward to the full article available up on drink5.com. Again, you can check us out on iTunes by looking up Drink5 Network and we're available as a subscription for free and you can automatically download those podcasts to your iOS device and Windows device or Apple device or whatever has iTunes on it. Look us up on Stitcher. Check us out on Twitter. We are Drink5, Facebook.com slash Drink5 Network. We are all over the place. We are everywhere on the internet, thanks to Dave. We are everywhere. Um, and if you have any questions to us personally or want to comment on the show, uh, it's Dave at Drink5.com or Jason at Drink5.com. Any closing thoughts, Jason? And uh, I promise I won't have the last word. Um, well, I just want to say Drink5, Dave. <laughs>